Hey, Retention Pros. I'm Noah Rahim today, and I lead partnerships here at Malomo. I'm super pumped to continue to chat with ecosystem experts alongside Mariah, who you all already know and love. Say hi, Mariah. Hey, everyone. As you probably know, Retention Chronicles likes to bring in some of the best retention-focused brands in the Shopify ecosystem. But we don't just feature brands. We also feature some great thought leaders in the Shopify ecosystem that serve those brands. And because we always want these conversations to be fun, you'll hear us talk to our guests about what they're excited about and what's helped them get to where they are today. We hope you'll stick around to learn and laugh with us. Retention Chronicles is sponsored by Malomo, a shipment and order tracking platform improving the post-purchase experience. Be sure to subscribe and check out all of our episodes at gomalomo.com. Super excited to have Lewis Lewis here, not from Curb Your Enthusiasm, uh, <laughs> founder at Growth Stable, uh, Shopify agency. Um, Lewis, thank you so much for for joining us, man. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Awesome, Lewis. Where where are you dialing in from today? Yeah, I'm just outside of Pasadena, California. Mm. Awesome, awesome. And yeah. have you been there for? For a long time yeah born and raised haven't gone very far went to college out here high school and uh worked out here and then just really never left la area awesome good to know um yeah i had we did a lot of west coast trips the last uh or or since i started here about eight months ago but the last couple of weeks i've been east coast in canada uh oh, wow. a tennis conference in new york and then the next week shopify's conference in toronto so that's one of the reasons I haven't recorded much lately. Um, <laughs> happy to be back in the saddle now. Busy schedule uh, for you, you know, just, just yeah. a couple of things going on, like international little, travel. <laughs> yeah, just a little globe trotting here and there. Well, Lewis, again, thank you for joining. Uh, we we love to start these episodes before we get into the shop talk on, on a personal note. So we'd love to hear one or two things that you're really excited about in your personal life before we dive in. Yeah, definitely. Uh, number one, I'm getting married next year, so that's super exciting. Nice, um, thrilled about that. Exciting, claps a lot. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, and then just stoked for the holidays. Awesome. What? Uh, yeah, I see you got cookies here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Favorite type of cookie? Oh man, I I only can go wrong with a classic chocolate chip, but I'll I don't say no to cookies. So anything works for me. <laughs> <laughs> are you are you like are you a baker do you like making cookies or are you just to like like enjoying them and taking away of the mess of baking yeah I, I i wouldn't call myself a baker but i definitely enjoy it and okay. um a house that smells like cookies is, is pretty <laughs> impressive so um anything that has anything to do with cookies i'm, I'm on board oh delicious yeah. we should have had cookies sent to you you know <laughs> could have enjoyed time. them yeah at the time. time of the podcast <laughs> Once we get the portos, we'll reciprocate. With exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, well, that's good. Sounds like at your house, Santa comes and eats all of the cookies. So that's <laughs> um, is there anything else about the holidays? Like, do you do you enjoy shopping? I imagine your business picks up around the holidays and we'll get into that in a second. But yeah. Yeah. Maybe you could. Yeah. I, I think just just enjoying family and friends and then on the business side, solving that one problem that always comes up that you never expect. <laughs> that's the exciting part. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a great segue into um, growth stable. Um, we'd love to hear a little bit about your background leading up to growth stable and then yeah. um, more about uh, the business today. I know, you know, we got connected cause we, we worked together on a new client of ours, Porto's bakery, which we were talking about before the show always makes me, salivate <laughs> when I see their tracking page. Um, and so that's how we got connected and we had a great conversation, Lewis. I remember the first time we talked, I was like, we have to get you on the podcast because you had a really unique perspective and I think unique offering in terms of what your agency does compared to some of the others in the ecosystem. So let's start with like the background uh, leading up to the agency and then get into growth stable, if that's okay with you. Yeah, of course. Happy to. So, uh, yeah, so we'll start on the context. Um, I had the privilege of being hired to build out an e-commerce division for Porto's Bakery. Um, and so I did that for five years uh, and then recently left. So I was the director of e-commerce there and um, had a great time building out a great team over there and obviously great food, uh, which also makes the job a lot easier. 
And um, once I left, I decided that I really wanted to build out an agency that I wish I had um, access to when I was a director of e-commerce, which is essentially delivering a director of e-commerce or VP of e-commerce as a service. Um, mm. So essentially the equivalence of having like a board of advisors. So they're not necessarily pulling all the levers, but they're speeding up your growth so that you don't have to kind of A-B test everything under the sun. <laughs> they can apply best practices um, and show you which services and platforms to use to get the best value to kind of get you to that goal my, milestone um, for your growth as, as soon as possible. So um, that's what we've been offering. And it's been really cool because brands are like, wow, I didn't know I needed that. You know, usually some they're finding like a, expert in you know one platform or one skill set and we can kind of come on and say we've done it all for ourselves and from the operator's standpoint so we're not just pushing you know the exciting vanity metrics but we're like hey we know you have to make money at the end of the day and we know the pressure that comes with that so we're happy to push results with that operator kind of hat on got you got you yeah i definitely think that's unique sort of wearing you know all the hats and it sounds like would you say that most of your clients are leveraging you for like the full suite of what you can offer expertise and advice and consulting in, or do they, is it more a la carte? They sort of say, we really need help with email marketing and um, transactional messaging for, for an easy example for us. Yeah. Or is it more like the all encompassing, we're going to be um, basically the VP of e-commerce and, and run the show. You know, they reach out for an a la carte service. And then when I ask them how they're doing X, Y, and Z of the other departments, they don't think those departments are something that can be optimized. And so it becomes that full package where, you know, they maybe come for email or paid ads. Um, and I tell them, you know, how's your fulfillment service? Who does your contract negotiation? And they're like, what do you mean contract negotiation? We just, you know, do a retail pricing. So it starts mm -hmm. off with like all the cart. And then they'll ask, when I share with them that there are so much room for opportunity um, to improve the brand then we kind of go for that full service package. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's super interesting. Um, what on that, on that note, I'm curious is, is it often that brands come to you for what you said, email and ads? Um, and then, so like question is what do they normally come in for? And then what are like the two or three things that are always glaringly obvious that, you know, when you ask them, how are you doing this today? That they're yeah. not gonna have an answer or they're gonna have a shitty answer. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Great question. <laughs> uh it's funny. In most cases, they don't have an answer, but to answer your question, the first thing they usually come with is is email marketing or paid ads. Uh either they haven't done paid ads before, or maybe like their little cousin has been running their paid ads and they're looking to kind of upgrade to that next level. Um, and then with email, they don't really know the full-fledged capability of their email program. They just know that they communicate with their customers from time to time. Um, so that's usually who they start off with, um, asking for support because they internally have decided we need to kind of upgrade our services. And then you kind of talk about, you know, how are they handling fulfillment and um, CX, specifically with, you know, their relationship with their customers, which is where Malombo comes in, where they don't really expect that they need to do much more with that relationship other than getting them to place that order. And, you know, there's not much of, of a conversation about, you know, lifetime value, um, the extended relationship with the customer. They kind of focus on, we got someone to the site, they checked out, you know, and let's rinse and repeat that cycle. Um, and when I come in and say, to get to that growth that you're looking to achieve, you need to create a systematic approach to have customers come in and execute that checkout, which is obvious, but we need them to come back. We need to increase that lifetime value. If not, you're just, you know, welcoming people into your home and then kicking them right out. And, and no one really wants to do that. When you kind of phrase it that way, they realize, oh, well, I think there's a little big opportunity to continue that conversation um, with the relationship with their customers. Yes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That is super top of mind for me right now. Um, I just did like a, a day long whiteboarding session with our CEO, Yao, on Friday um, to put some messaging together. And we were doing some research and I found this crazy stat that was like, I think in, I think it was in 2013, the average uh, first purchaser lost a company, uh, an e-commerce brand, $9 on average. Um, today the average loss on first purchase is $29. Whoa. So it's yeah. over three X in, uh, 10 years, less than 10 years on the flip side, the average, uh, profit per second purchase 
has gone up 33% in the same time frame. So the idea of like, we are just focused on acquisition is like a, an absolutely failing mindset. <laughs> yeah. Antiquated for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think there's, there's a, the cycle to that, right? The companies that figure out that they can make a increase in the value of the lifetime value of a customer, then know that they can spend more on acquisition. And for, unfortunately, for the brands that haven't figured that out, the marketplace is going to favor people who are spending more on that first acquisition. And if they try to match it and don't have that lifetime value improvement, they're kind of a sinking ship. And that's the kind of scary part of e-commerce where if you don't have it together and you are competing in a marketplace for the acquisition or the majority of your your traffic, you have to adapt quicker than the rest of the brands. And, and that's where I'm excited to jump in where, you know, if you don't have those best practices, it, it truly is a sinking ship. It's only a matter of time till you can't afford to acquire customers anymore. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That stat blew my mind. And then, yeah. um, you know, on the flip side, what I thought was really interesting was the sort of like universal three to one uh, CAC to LTV metric that everybody's aspiring to and how, you know, at the same, while I say, you know, strictly focusing on acquisition is a losing strategy. It's not to say that it's not completely crucial, right, to the growth and stability of your business because you always need to be bringing in new customers. But mm-hmm. uh, while that first purchase is obviously like absolutely necessary, it's actually the second purchase that is probably more important. Um, any any thoughts on that? Would you agree, Lewis? I completely agree. I completely agree. I, and there's no way to. I don't think there's a way to truly grow a brand without getting to a point where you're, you know, dabbling with acquisition in that marketplace. Um, But there are so many tools that aren't being focused on to get that second purchase, right? You know, one thing that I always talk about with the brands that I I speak with is the referral programs they use, where they're such home runs, you know, they put, like you just mentioned, $20 sunk into that first acquisition. Most customers are getting a first-time customer offering with a lot of brands, right, in e-commerce. And what I've seen is when you can offer a referral program, and you offer a reward to an existing customer that matches that first-time referral, uh, excuse me, first-time customer discount, you're in a place where you're offering a lower cost to you for an acquisition, and you have a higher chance of that customer sticking around, right? It's almost like a warm lead instead of a cold lead. You don't have to communicate as much to that referred customer because your friend, the existing customer, is doing a lot of that heavy lifting for you, right? And it's one of the tools that I use with, with Maloma with the brands is you have so much excitement built in when a customer places an order and leading up to that, all the conversation, all the marketers talk about is intent, 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 intent to purchase, right? How about the excitement about a purchase, right? That's, that's what thrills me. When you get a customer to purchase, the conversation almost just started. We now have an official relationship and if you can converse with them throughout their excitement, right? So checkout is the thrill. Oh, I made the thrill of purchasing. When's it coming? And then all those Mm -hmm. emails leading up to the delivery, which as you guys know, the open rates are through the roof because of that excitement. Also, they're not marketing, but through the roof because of the excitement of like, when's it coming? They know essentially when it's coming. You've kind of communicated that when they purchase, but they still check every status update, right? Out for delivery, the shipped one, and then delivered. If you can leverage that with the tool like you guys offer in Malomo, you can capture that excitement and leverage it to something like a referral program, with, which kind of enhances your acquisition model at a much lower cost than most likely what you're usually offering for a cold market like on Facebook or such. Um, or it also getting that second purchase from the customer. Maybe they ordered product A and they were excited and they caught their eye and they never even experienced the opportunity to purchase product B. Why not suggest product B in that moment? And all that's at that heightened sense of excitement. It's just such a, a great opportunity that, you know, compared to a brand who's not leveraging something like Malomo, they may just be purchased, sent to a FedEx page, yep. and, and we'll see you next time. And maybe next time, if there is a next time at all. Yeah, that's 100% the experience for for brands not leveraging us. Like the Shopify out of the box experience yeah. is very transactional. There's no personalization, no customization, sending you to a tracking page. Um, Lewis. Whenever you want a job, man, we got you. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, like, it's so happy to hear that you also see the value in that because like I 
I think the excitement is the piece that it's like, oh, you re- sometimes you have to think through. Like it, it, it isn't glaring your face a lot of the times. Like you said, like marketers are always very concentrated on the intent to purchase, but then the excitement kind of gets sometimes wrapped up or lost in that. And so being able to, you know, just hearing you talk through that, I think there's some, there's something that came to mind. Um, and that's like the effect of like delayed gratification of like, you're waiting for this package. Like it is a different experience when you're shopping online versus in retail, obviously, because retail nine times out of 10, you're leaving the store with it, right? Like already in your hand. So you already like the timeline between when you're actually buying something and when you're, when it's in your hands is a lot quicker and shorter than obviously online because it has to get shipped to you. And so being able to extend that excitement because the timeline between when you order and maybe have some of that like buyer's remorse and getting rid of those negative emotions and instead implementing like more excitement, more educational videos, cross sells, upsells, whatever it is on your post-purchase page. It is very exciting as a customer to receive that because you're like constantly reminded like, oh, this is coming. This is coming. Like um, it's it's like, oh, I ordered this. Like I'm so excited about it. It's just, it's like extending that period of excitement. Yeah, totally. And I think you made a great point about the negative, you know, emotions that can, you know, sometimes be tied to that process. You know, you, you know, these carriers can't deliver 100% on time. And so there are <laughs> going to be issues that, you know, whether it's a single percentage of failure of delivery, there will be a issue you'll run into as a brand. And what better place to counter that challenge than a custom tracking page where you can have, whether it's a pop-up chat or an easy to access button to contact your CX team, you can solve that problem in that moment rather than having the customer have to encounter the issue with the carrier, go on the carrier's page, try to communicate with the carrier. And now you're kind of handing off that relationship to a carrier who that's not necessarily their job. Your job is to build that relationship and take care of your customer. And if, you know, that small percentage of chance there is an issue, you can have a personalized, hey, if there's an issue, reach out to us, click this button. That opportunity not only can allow you to solve the problem, but it actually can also increase your LTV because you're now establishing a relationship no matter what the case happens with this order we're going to take care of you no matter what that's something that you know you obviously don't want to happen but Mm -hmm. when it does happen and it's inevitable you can leverage that to add value to your relationship with your customer yes a hundred percent um one of the things you said a minute ago resonated really well with me which is basically like you know, how do you turn your your loyal fans into more new, new fans, new customers? And like, I, I draw a lot of parallels to that on the B2C side to what I do here at Malomo, which is partnerships um, and like leveraging folks like yourself, Lewis and, and the team at Growth Stable, right? Like we want to make sure that you have a fantastic experience with Porto's Bakery and any other clients that you bring on, not just right? To make sure that those clients are well-serviced and that they're seeing value from the platform. But that's so you know, we're the leaders in the order tracking space and send us, yeah. um, you know, every client that you get, right? Like we, we understand that you're a lot of times the go-to resource for tech evaluations. Um, and anything that you recommend is lightly, likely going to at least be heavily considered, right? So for me, the the, the goal, frankly, is to make sure that all of the leaders in the space like Grossable think about Malomo first when it comes to order tracking and see the value in it. Um, and I don't think that there's, it's it's not very much different in the super competitive e-commerce space right now where there's a ton of um, food and beverage brands selling online, right? Like how does yeah. Porto stick out? And hopefully Malomo is one way in which they're able to do that. Absolutely. And I think that's definitely been a part of the process at the bakery. They've had great success. Um, and continue to have success with that that partnership. Um, and it's now something that we don't see we can ever go away from, right? It's like kind of a, I don't want to say no-brainer, but it's a no-brainer. It's something that we've now established as our standard. And the alternative of sending someone to is directly to a carrier page with no connection. We're just kind of hoping they're taken care of and everything goes fine. It's just something that we're not okay with with the bakery and the other brands that I'm talking to um, and working with. Once they hear that, it clicks and they're like, Oh, wow. Yeah, no, that does make tremendous yeah. sense. Let's set that up and not look back. Right. Yeah, like Jack's out of the box, kind of. Like once you see it, it's yeah. like I know when exactly. I started working here, I was like, 
I saw a page and I was like, oh my God, I'm never going to be able to like look at a carrier page again and be like, oh, that's okay. You know, but <laughs> I love that you exactly. make that point. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is. And it's, you'll see it with brands that are on the smaller side, really getting ready to explode and grow that mm -hmm. they're understanding that that's something that most brands aren't using that they're competing with. And so, like you just said, right, when, when a customer gets used to it and yeah. then they get to another brand, they get sent directly to, you know, a carrier page with like an out of the box email. They're like, ooh, that's that's not what I'm used to anymore. I've been taking care of that XYZ brand and now ABC showing me something a little bit different. I don't know. You know, my relationship is already deteriorating with that new brand. And so I think it's it's a must have for all brands, no matter the size. Mm -hmm. Love it. We typically don't pitch Maloma very hard on these things. I'm not adverse. I, I all day long. Um, I also think that on a more sort of macro level, like the idea, we well, let me take a step back. We always think about Malomo as a retention platform, right? Like the sole purpose of Malomo is to drive that second purchase to keep customers in the funnel for as long as possible uh, and, and increase their LTV. Uh, uh, sorry, keep customers uh, buying and coming back for more as long as possible, increase LTV. Um, what we haven't really thought about, at least from a marketing standpoint, Mariah, as far as I know, is like how we turn this retention channel into an acquisition channel, which mm -hmm. like gets me super pumped to just even... <laughs> Say out loud. I can see you're uh, beaming like ear yeah. to ear. <laughs> but um, that's like, that's fascinating, right? Because everything that we've ever uh, talked about is retention and growing LTV. We've not talked about how we bring new customers into the funnel um, and likely have similar to my role, right? When a partner recommends Malomo, the close rate goes way up. Uh, a lot of times the contract values go up. Um, the sales cycles are way shorter. And I know that all of those same things apply to B2C as well. So Lewis, would you, any, any thoughts, feedback on, on that concept in turning the retention funnel into a, an acquisition channel? Absolutely. I, I have a lot of thoughts on this. <laughs> so <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think there's, I think there's a couple options there that need to be considered from brands. Um, and let me give some background on the idea. So essentially the whole business and, and philosophy of like conversion rate optimization is if a customer wants to purchase, we need to get out of their way so they can achieve that purchase, right? Don't make it an extra step. Don't make an extra click, get them to where they want to be. You're not necessarily forcing their hand. You're kind of guiding them to where they already have the intent to be. And then the same thing comes with, you know, a personalized tracking page and the acquisition idea, right? So if a customer is extremely thrilled, which we know through the stats that just the excitement and open rates through that process of uh, the shipped email, you know, out for delivery and then delivered, um, we know the customer is thrilled for the item, the order to arrive. In that excitement, when they open the package and they enjoy their product in however form they will, if they still are carrying that excitement and when they were tracking the page, you suggested two options. You showed them the offering of your referral program so they can benefit from a word of mouth referral um, and also other items that are either in that same category or different. So when they finally receive the product and that excitement is at its absolute peak yeah. and they think, you know, they have a conversation with a friend or family and they talk about this experience that they had, they now in their back of their head understand that one, there's a referral program that they themselves can take advantage of. And two, let's say they, you know, talk to someone who may not enjoy that exact product, but would love something separate or different. And you showed them that that different item exists with your brand from the personalized page they now have it to suggest, right? They might say, oh, you don't like this product? Oh man, if they didn't know about the other product, they would the conversation would end there. But if they do know about the other offerings you may have, they can suggest those to their friend or family. And it's that natural word of mouth referral, but leveraging the information you provided at one of their peak excitement statuses to leverage that word of mouth so they can do exactly what they wanted to do in the first place. You're not forcing their hand again you're just guiding them with the resources to do what they want to do, which is tell a friend and family how excited they are about the brand they just experienced. I don't think, well, for one, we've discussed, I don't think a lot of people are using a personalized tracking page to enhance the relationship with their customers. Like, I don't think that exists as much as it should be. 
But acquisition-wise, those two opportunities are beyond extraordinary, and they could stack, right? If you can share a new category, a new item, and the referral program, someone might do exactly that. Refer someone to your brand with the new category or product in mind, and now you have a very warm lead or excited customer, new customer to join your brand. And then now you have a flywheel. And that's the whole excitement of e-commerce. It's like you can get a systemized approach to feed these flywheels so that as you're doing the hard work to acquire in the competitive marketplaces, to continue to find new product and, and develop them, in the background, you've created these flywheels that keep feeding your brand to achieve that growth milestone that you've always had. It's a lot easier to manage than having to recreate the wheel every single time. Yes, I love that's, that. Yeah, that's so true. I love that it's like you're giving more knowledge to a customer without like about your brand without them having to do like any work. It's like like yeah. you get this just like a win-win. I love that. Yeah, and one of the things I noticed on on Porta's tracking page is to your point Lewis, you talked about how like a lot of brands may, might think about this as increasing LTV by pushing product recommendations or sign up for our subscription program, but don't maybe don't think about like, how do we just make sure that this customer is super well taken care of, especially if it's the first time, right? Like what can we do to ensure they have a great experience so they come back for that super integral second purchase? And what I love about the Portos page is like the first thing, like you offer all the same stuff. You offer other products, you offer um, refer a friend program and everything else. But you also, uh, the first thing that you see when you go to track the order is baking instructions. So when that product arrives, you have the information you need right there to pop it in the oven or do whatever you need to do to have the best experience possible with that, with that product that you just purchased. And that's really where it all starts, right? You can't get to refer a friend before you have the, the initial super positive experience that keeps them coming back for a second purchase. So yeah. I love that you took a, clearly a very holistic view uh, to building out the transactional experience. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's exactly holistic, like you said, because you do need, they've already purchased and now you have to make sure they have everything they need to enjoy the um, the food that they're being delivered. And it is a very seamless process, but you know, there's times where you may lose instructions that are included in the order or you lost that email. We want there to be no question about what you need to do to enjoy the food because, again, that peak excitement is something that's already built in. And when that food arrives, you want to eat it within the 30 minutes it takes to bake or less. If you don't, if you're kind of fidgeting for instructions and you don't have it at that time, you know, we want to make sure there's no there's no opportunity for you to not have the resources you need. And then on top of that, we'll put, we're pushing the you know contact us if you have any questions. If something doesn't make sense in instructions, as maybe you misread it or we forgot something, you can understand in that situation. So there's no friction for you enjoying the amazing food you ordered. That's the ultimate goal. Absolutely. Um, I, I wanted to ask you about like your preferred stack and how you figure out what, um, you know, what tools to recommend to your clients. So that's a great segue um, for the for the support app. Do you use a software tool for that or is it something? Yeah. Yeah, my favorite is Gorgeous. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, they're they're amazing. The integration with Shopify is you know spectacular, and it, essentially it's a win-win, right? You get to enhance the experience with the customer because of the features it has, and it also takes less of a toll for your CX team to answer those tickets. So it's, to me, it's a win-win, and that's another no-brainer in the in the stack. Absolutely. Yeah, we have a an awesome Gorgeous integration where we send shipping data back uh, back to them so that mm -hmm. when customers do uh, submit a, a ticket asking where their order is or some sort of issue, uh, the, go the gorgeous platform has all of the information they need from our end to troubleshoot. Um, and we have like the, I don't know if Portos has it set up yet, but we have like a chat widget that you can drop on uh, the tracking pages as well. Um, I'm curious. Yeah. Like just, just going a little bit deeper there, obviously you're wearing all of the e-com hats. So um, I, I want to ask about your preferred tech stack, but also how you evaluate technologies. And like, even when you were thinking about Malomo, like what were the, what were the things that you sort of wanted to make sure that we check the box on to, to make us the preferred solution? 
Yeah, definitely. So for me, when looking for a, a tech stack partner to work with, because that's what it is, right? Every yeah. tech, every piece of platform or service is a partner in your brand. Um, and so for me, the biggest factor is the customer support or tech support within the service or platform, because there's always going to be an issue that, you know, every brand is unique in the sense that they has a different use case. And so you're going to kind of push the envelope on that service or the platform as you grow, right? As you offer a feature of some type within your brand, the other services have to offer that to you in some sense. Um, and so that's the biggest factor. The second is it's ease of use for the customer. If it's customer facing, if it's not how easy is it to use for the team, because again, you want to add value to yourself, your team, your brand, or the customer, depending on who's facing the platform. Um, but you don't want it to be a heavy lift either, because then you kind of have to weigh the difference of it takes a lot of work, but we get a lot of value. And sometimes that always doesn't that doesn't always make sense. Um, so for example, we always use Clavio, we're always using Shopify, we're always suggesting Gorgeous, we're always suggesting Malomo. Um, because they all work together, phenomenal. Um, each of those platforms, including yourselves, have great tech support. So, you know, you're always going to, it, it could always be user error as well. There's always a challenge. I forgot to click this. I forgot to unselect that. And the ability to resolve that relatively quickly and then have the education in words, hey, don't just click that. But here's why that setting does that thing. Opening your idea to other opportunities. That's the most important portion of deciding which service to use. Cause you're not always looking for the cheapest. You want something that's going to be a relationship, a partnership with your brand, especially if your goal is to continue to grow. You need to understand that that partner is going to support you with that growth. Yeah. A hundred percent. I'm, this is a topic that I'm really, really fascinated by, especially in the e-commerce space. So I came from like the enterprise space, which required, um, you know, like custom implementations, custom integrations. Uh, it was very hands-on, but also extremely costly. The difference here in, in the Shopify ecosystem is like, there's 10,000 apps that are plug and play, right? Mm. Um, you can go download an app for just about anything. The reality is, is that that problem might be solved, might be a band-aid for the short term, but to your point, Lewis, like as you scale, you're going to need hands-on support. Like the technology is really only as good as the implementation and the ongoing support you get when you have issues or you need to troubleshoot something. And what I love about our approach, not to uh, not to brag, this is much <laughs> more a, a uh, you know testament to our founders than to anybody else. But um, they came from the agency life. Like they built Malomo, the software, while running an e-commerce agency. So they saw firsthand the challenges of like the Shopify apps that were just product-led growth. Here it is. Good luck. Versus what they were doing at their agency while they were building the platform. The super hands-on, let's make sure that this is custom built for you and that you have everything you need from the software before we... Um, go like scale this thing. And we've maintained those sort of agency roots and that hands-on white glove support, uh, even spanning to our agency partners, right? Because as like you at Growth Stable are getting familiar with Maloma, we want to make sure that you have everything you need to be properly enabled. And even after you are and you're running full implementations and ongoing support, you always have a dedicated resource with us because while that you know, um, a VC looking at that could be like, oh, that's a little bit costly to have that human resource. Uh, it's it's changed the game in terms of like how we're able to properly support our clients compared to a lot of those other Shopify apps that are just just that, right? Yeah, totally. And I think the on top of that, it makes a lot of sense with the agency background of the founders is the uh, constant integration of new features, right? As they see, you're constantly seeing a new challenge, whether you're speaking to a food brand, a clothing brand, a subscription brand, a one-off brand, you know, small AOV, high OV. Every approach is kind of based on the same, you know, standard of best practices, but you got to tweak it, you know, a little bit. And you guys are always talking about the new features that are rolling out. And it's the only way to have that confidence of like, wow, they are really looking out for the brands and the agency partners so that they can continue to implement a better service or better approach to the customers that's something that like you're saying not many you know not many apps are constantly pushing and right. the ones that are 
you can tell are the ones that are growing like you guys because it, it instills a level of confidence that I don't have to bug the tech team or the customer support team for XYZ feature. They're going to hear me out when I suggest one. And a lot of the times they're already working on it and you have a short timeline to get to experience it yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, appreciate you noticing that. There's <laughs> <laughs> been a long time coming, but um, we've, we've sort of embraced that founding story and background uh very heavily recently and it's uh seems to resonate because it's very clear the difference right mm -hmm. um i'm i'm curious uh on the fulfillment side that's that's really an area that most of our other agency partners don't touch so um like what is your what is your take on fulfillment what do brands need to consider um when evaluating different fulfillment partners and is there are there one or two that you're like if if you have fulfillment challenges, I highly recommend you check out this solution. Totally. You know, at the bakery, when we built it out, we did the fulfillment ourselves. So we didn't use a partner and I haven't really experienced the partners just yet. The brands I'm working with are shipping the orders out on their own, which is super exciting. Um, so my partner there is not the actual 3PL, but the the system they use, which is ShipStation. It's what I push um, and recommend to my clients um, and the brands that we work with. And because of that, uh, or because of ShipStation, we have a lot of customization that you can use, right? And every product that a brand is shipping could have a different use case, not only the dimensions and the weight and kind of the basics of fulfillment, but when does it need to be shipped? How quickly does it need to be shipped? Is there a product that needs to get there in two days? Is there a product that needs to get there in, in five days, right? The standard shipping. Um, and, and that's the difference that allows you to manipulate the uh, enhancement of a customer relationship because sometimes you can get an order there in two days when it's not always recommended, but you know, maybe a customer says they have a wedding or a big event or something that need to get their order, you know, you know, expedited. Um, you have the opportunity when you're handling the shipment for yourself. Um, and within ShipStation, there's so many custom customizations for the process that you yourself can build, right? Just like we were speaking Every scenario with growth, you enter a new challenge to acquire that milestone and fulfillment's no different, right? You kind of have to adjust the way you're doing things. Maybe you're shipping a hundred orders a day and then you grow to a thousand orders a day. Maybe you're running one team of fulfillment and now you need two teams to help you fulfill. Uh, maybe you have you know a handful of different carriers. Maybe you have one carrier. There's so many differences that need to be approached. And I think that's part of the excitement. It's kind of owning the entire relationship with your customer, not only the communication through a personalized tracking page or through Clavio to continue to speak with them or Gorgeous to handle any questions or concerns, but literally, how do you get the product in your customer's hands? Doing so is really exciting. Um, I know there's brands that handle uh, or work with a great amount of 3PLs that have great services and, and being integrated with the best 3PLs that I've seen um, means you have great communication understanding of where that package is, where is the status, how quickly is it really going to get out? And then how do you communicate that to your customer from the standard customer who's not really in a rush and everything is, is easy peasy? Or if you have to transfer to someone who has a critical request where they need to get it for, you know, maybe they forgot to order a gift, they need to get there next day. Having the levers to pull to execute um, that commitment you make to your customer really helps you stand out as a brand. I love that analogy of like having levers to pull to have that flexibility and to like comfort or like um, to like step up or fulfill those expectations with fulfillment. Because I, I, I know like fulfillment is something that as a marketer, like I don't think a ton about except for this podcast, which is really exciting when we got when we get to talk to experts like yourself, Lewis, um, who is like dealing with all these problems on the day to day. And it's so interesting to me that like thinking through i guess of when you're smaller you have more options i think for that flexibility and then how to properly scale that so that you don't lose that flexibility while you're growing and like having more or having more um needs for fulfillment is super interesting like do you see with when a is it is it kind of like a catch all or is it um is there still like that balance when if you're scaling a 
uh, brand, you can still have that like flexibility in your fulfillment? Or is it kind of like you you see like time and time again, when you are scaling, you lose just traditionally, like because of communication and bigger teams and um, all that, like it does, you know, trend to have tend to have less of that flexibility. What would you say? It's definitely more challenging, right? Just mm -hmm. the nature, like you mentioned, the economies of a larger team become more challenging. But the exciting part is when you're in that smaller stage as a brand, if you end up doing fulfillment on your own, you get to establish the standard of your brand and how they approach the fulfillment portion of your, your business. So when you get to that growth and, you know, there is a ton of use cases for 3PLs. I'm not speaking against it. If you need to partner with a 3PL where maybe you do your fulfillment, if you're on the West Coast and 3PL may help you with the East Coast or all the nation or even global, yeah. um, you now have established your standards. So when you're speaking mm -hmm. to these companies, you get to say, hey, I'm looking for X, Y, Z, and this is how we do things. And you're going to find that 3PL says, oh, absolutely, we agree. And actually, that one idea you mentioned, we're adding on this feature. Have you have you thought about this? And maybe they're thinking of something you haven't because they are the expert in that field and allows you to in enter those conversations where you're not just entering blind and saying, Hey, I simply need to hold this, ship this, and I'll give you the address. But in, in essence, you get to give them, here's our playbook because fulfillment is a cornerstone to the relationship we build with our relationships. And we want you to be a partner in establishing that. Mm, okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you. Uh yeah, Lewis, I'm I want to ask you about the holidays, but before I want to uh, make sure that our listeners know, can you talk a little bit about like the verticals that you serve? Are you specific to the food and beverage space or um what sort of what sort of merchants e on the e-commerce end do you work with? Yeah, all all types of merchants. I'm okay. just an e-com nerd and the team likes <laughs> to support everyone. Um every new challenge is exciting and, and in most cases we could take something from maybe a food vertical and apply it to an apparel vertical or, you know, a, a clothing, uh, excuse me, a, a, like a bedding vertical is something that we're speaking to now where they're having challenges. And I'm like, oh, yeah, no, I, I know we've encountered that with things such as the food vertical. And mm -hmm. it's kind of it's less about the vertical from us and more about like the use case. So, for example, is it something that is absolutely critical for an event right at the bakery? It's why we add so much attention um, at the bakeries themselves in LA, but also on the e-commerce division, when you order a cake for us from us and it's going to a birthday or some type of celebration, we don't have a second chance. Like it needs to get there on that day so you can enjoy it for that celebration or birthday. That type of focus on customer support and delivery and communication gets applied to something like, you know, uh, an apparel vertical that's ordering something as a gift right? They may not think so. They might just think, oh, let's go get there in five days. But we kind of bring that level of like, hey, no, a customer ordered this. They need to get it and or you need to communicate why there might be a challenge and how you resolve it. So those kind of practices against those types of use cases really apply to all verticals. And we just get excited when we find a new vertical that someone's like, hey, we have these challenges. We're like, oh, we've we've approached those from, you know, maybe an apparel or food, but maybe it's like a, an automotive or, or some type of equipment that mm -hmm. we're like, hey, this is exciting. We get to do this for a different approach, learn their different use cases, and then apply our best practices to solve them. That's awesome. Yeah, it's very cool to think about like learnings from one vertical applying to another, even if they have absolutely nothing to do, like betting yeah. and yeah. baking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Although exactly. cookies in bed, not a horrible combo. Not a horrible combination. <laughs> That's, That's sure. a winning combination. <laughs> um, I'm curious before we get into holidays, um, are there any verticals that you're like, man, this one in particular right now is really feeling the the, the heat? Yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't I, not necessarily. Or, yeah. Yeah, I think everyone's challenged with the marketplace for acquisition. Mm -hmm. But like we spoke earlier, the the brands that like brands are still spending money, right? So that hasn't stopped. Right. Now, is that per dollar as effective as it was in the past? Maybe not for not not everyone. Um, will it change? I'm sure it will. It's a marketplace and in the economies of a marketplace, things will change and get better. Um, but in that meantime, the customers that the brands that have not stopped or even slowed down, maybe even spending more, are the ones that make the most of their lifetime value, right? That know their data, 
that aren't just saying, hey, I think we could spend 20 bucks on an acquisition. And when it becomes 22, they're like, no, 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 no. We have to pull back until it hits $20 again. The brands that know we would love $20, that's a nice target. But technically, we make money up until 30. Yeah. In that gray area, they're they're stepping on that pedal because people are pulling out or brands are pulling out with their budget and trying to find another opportunity where like, hey, this still works for us because we know our data. Um, and, and that's truly the only way to have a systemized approach to growth because if not, you're just guessing or the kind of like the, the biggest challenge that I've seen some brands is they hit like a TikTok virality or they have a tremendous amount of coverage in PR for some awesome reason. And all that's great. But it's kind of like that bear hug where it's awesome at first and then it's squeezing so tight. Like, hey, now we've kind of structured our business on that traffic. When we don't have that traffic at that low cost, how do we do it? How do we continue to move forward? The flywheel is not necessarily a flywheel. It's kind of a one-off and you have to recreate that wheel every time, which isn't sustainable. So I think everyone's kind of feeling the heat, but the brands that have created that understanding of their data and know how to structure their LTV are the ones that aren't feeling it as much. Yes, 100%. Yeah, and I think a lot of the principles, like like you mentioned, Lewis, that we talked about earlier, apply directly to this, right? It's like, yeah, we can we can go up to 30 on ad spend, um, not just because we know uh, we know that we'll get that back, but we, we're super confident that we'll get them to the third per- purchase, right? Yeah. That will lead to profitability from this from this newly acquired customer. And here are the things that we're doing to uh, to get them there, right? On the retention strategy side, here's the spend and here's where we actually start to see that revenue. So to your point, I think the brands who have, uh, yeah, the the data visibility is, uh, is absolutely crucial. Love that. Um, so tell us what you're doing to prep for the holidays in terms of uh, from the, from the agency perspective and, uh, what you advise based on that, that brands do ahead of Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and then the the holidays. Absolutely. So my kind of approach to the holidays is if almost like studying in college, right? Or in school, if you're not ready the day of the test, like just prepare to do your best. And with brands, the way I kind of approach that is if you don't feel like your conversion rate is the best it can be, you don't have much time to kind of finalize that because if you keep tinkering with your website, you may have a critical error and that error could cause a giant loss for your sales. So I like to, you know, it's October 25th today. We're getting pretty close to that mark. I don't like to do too much work on stores after November. I kind of just try to get ready to put out all the fires that you need to. And if you don't have too many moving pieces with a constant integration of new ideas or new features, new services, new platforms, um, you have a better chance to put out those fires. And so for me, as long as you aren't integrating any new moving pieces, A-B tests, et cetera, um, starting November, kind of hunker down to get ready for that traffic. And once mm-hmm. that traffic comes, make the most out of it and take any piece that you think you could have done better as a learning experience for the new year, because you're really putting yourself at risk if you have too many moving parts at, you know, arguably the most critical part of the year. Yeah, that's a, that's a fantastic mindset. I think, um, I know, you know, we, the way we see it is a lot of brands are scrambling right now. We obviously expect our business to slow in November and December, um, in terms of bringing on new merchants to Malomo. Um, but realistically, you know, and I think that makes sense based on what you said. Right. But like, realistically, we should be doing everything we can to make sure that they're prepared, right? Well ahead of Black Friday, Mm -hmm. Cyber Monday, not, um, you know, in an ideal world, we would have testing all completed and final approvals for the new experience that they're going to launch just to make sure that, you know, all of the money that they spent on these newly acquired users convert to to that second purchase because they have the correct um, customer's customer experience stack in place after those newly acquired customers buy for the first time. Yeah, absolutely. And conversing with new brands in the new year, because they probably either knew they wish they could have something like Malomo or they didn't think about it. And when you have the volume of traffic against an opportunity like Malomo personalized tracking page, it's really eye-opening if you haven't thought about it yet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mariah, you got something? I was well, I was just gonna agree, but 
<laughs> I was holding out because I was I was waiting to see if you were going to comment, Noah. But I love that you kind of gave that perspective of or that analogy of like holidays and like a test or something of like if even if you're not prepped or you didn't get everything that you wanted done right away, like when November hits, um, I love that you can you said like you can still have wins and learnings from it anyways. I feel like there's a lot of pressure to have everything perfect by, and I put air quotes around perfect, meaning like to like there's just even like from um, our side of things, it's like, how can we best prep? Like Noah said, how can we best prep our customers to have success during Black Friday, Cyber Monday? And there's all the, all these pieces of content, like everything around it, right? Like this is, this is part of that content of like advice sharing of like, how can it be like perfect? Meanwhile, in reality, you're like never going to have a perfect like Black Friday, Cyber Monday, right? Like it is so, um, it is very like hyped up. So I think it's like comforting kind of to hear that even if you don't, you had all these goals and ambitions that, you know, timeline, it just didn't, didn't work out. You can still hit those. Um, that's the part that I, I love that, that analogy right there. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. No, you can ask your question now. <laughs> I, I just <laughs> so ra- wrap us up. We're coming to time. This okay. has been incredible. Um, Lewis, thank you so much. We we like to end by um, asking c- kind of back on the personal side, but related to business, what is one tip that's helped you throughout your career? And this can be anything from like, whether it's advice to other agencies, advice to the e-com market, or just general you know, career advice, um, what would you, what would you attribute, you know, your, your awesome success to so far? Far. Yeah, definitely. I think what I'm most excited about and what's worked out really well for me in my past is being very democratic with ideas in the sense that all ideas are good ideas, as long as they don't go directly against your brand or kind of like your personal way of life. Um, because the coolest part of e-commerce and, and with life, you have so many opportunities to test things and A-B tests are my favorite part of e-commerce because we can take everyone's idea and instead of being in a room and arguing or discussing who's right, we can just sit in a room, come up with ideas, make sure they don't go against our brand awareness or brand guidelines mm-hmm. and deploy them as an A-B test, add some statistical significance. And now you know what the winner is. And some of the winners that built out, you know, when I was at the bakery at Porto's Bakery or with the brands I'm working with now are ideas that we thought, hey, they're not bad ideas, but we don't think they're going to be the best. And mm-hmm. the customers show you that you're actually wrong and they know what's best. And there you can leave with confidence that that is the best decision and you continue to move on and, and reiterate. So um, trying all ideas, as long as they don't go directly against your own brand guideline or personal guideline um, and, and seeing which one wins because you never know what could work out the best. Awesome. Yeah. Love that answer. Test, Mm -hmm. test, test is what I heard. Uh, (laughs) You know, I think, I think sometimes like I have this theory that like speaking in absolutes is just, or having like an absolute mindset is very limiting in a lot of cases. So um, yeah, being open to new ideas and um, uh, you know, even if there are things that you, you fundamentally don't agree with, uh, being able to test them and see the data behind them, which has been made easier by newer technology is, is great advice, man. Um, thank you so much for, for stopping by. Really appreciate it. Happy. We got Porto's live page. Looks great. Makes me hungry. Um, <laughs> and, uh, looking forward to working much more closely with you as you, as you grow out the business at Crow Stable. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thank you.